Well, this is the intro. Here it is. Here we are. What's up, Ding Dongs? Uh, there it is again. He's really trying to make that stick, it's Brad. It's gonna what, be can we a do catchphrase. Something? Can we do something? Does that qualify for the dick chore? Yes. I think it ding, should. Ding, 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 okay. every time. Let's just start with where we left off last episode, and that is to say that we have a Sidewalk Film Festival sneak peek at the cinema. We don't know when this damn thing's going to be released because it turns out neither Corey nor I are good with numbers or math or anything in that that calendar world because there's numbers on the calendar. Get it? But do check SidewalkFest.com and come and hear the be the first ones to hear about what films are going to be in the 2022. I got that one right. Sidewalk Film Festival lineup. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Um, yeah. You know what? We haven't done in a while. What? We haven't thanked Splash 96 for our music. That's true. So let's do that too. And, Thank you so much. And, uh, we love and it. I love, the, I love our song and I love Splash 96. You know what song I don't like? This is also going to be controversial. Oh my God. That damn Boys of Summer song. Do y'all like that? Is that offensive? What? The, the Don Henley? Yes. No, that's not offensive. I don't like it's that. Nor, I don't like that Atari's version either where it's like, saw a black flag sticker on a Cadillac. So stupid. Brad, weigh in on Don Henley. Uh, not a Don Henley fan, but that is an amazing song. Really? Because mm. see, here's my feeling. When I listen to it, I'm like, dude, get over it. That's all no, I I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm like, dude, why are you... It's definitely a young person's song. Uh, I mean, why is he so upset about... That is clearly many, many years earlier. And he just can't seem yeah. to get past it. It annoys me. I'm like, get over it. <laughs> I'm not writing songs about my high school sweetheart still. You know? And so it just annoys me. It's dark. I don't like it. That's fair. Anyway. I, I'm speechless. I've rendered speechless. I didn't expect this to go into Don Henley well, territory. Let's, I could have prepared get on. notes. This is a podcast about all the songs we hate. Let's get going. Show me that smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying. Show me that show and tell me that smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying. It's our That's favorite... <laughs> Visual me media uh, segment in a completely auditory platform. And I got one for you today. Hear that crinkle, crinkle? Crinkle, crinkle. That's, that's what we call Foley Don't work, folks. look too closely over here because I got to undo All a little right. unwrapping. I closed my and eyes. I got my glasses on. And I'm going to read to you the back of – you can see that shape, right? That's I, a VHS. Yeah. It look, I, I, I figured it was, it was a VHS tape. Um, it's a beautiful VHS tape, a little bit of a harder one to find. Oh. Uh, and it is a fantastic film, according to somebody that writes for At The Movies. So I'm going to read to you the back of this VHS tape. And as soon as you guess what film this is, you go ahead and stop me All and right. let me know. This okay. is like a different version of what's the shit in oh. some ways, in some ways. Yeah. By day, Mark Hunter, and I'm not going to say who plays Mark Hunter because you'll know this pretty quickly, I think, okay. is a painfully shy new kid in a small Arizona town. You got to get over that, Mark. But by night, he's hard hairy. Hard hairy? Which I remember from this fuck? film being like, that is so stupid. As, like, as a very young person, like that is so dumb. The cynical, uncensored DJ of a pirate radio oh, station. Oh, this is uh, the Christian Slater thing. Pump up the volume? This is pump up the volume. I'll just go ahead and take the wrapping off of this thing as I continue to read because you absolutely got that right. Idolized by his high school classmates who are unaware of his real identity. Hmm. Harry becomes a hero with his fiercely funny monologues on sex, love, and rock and roll. By the way, those monologues are unlistenable. Like, if, <laughs> have you seen this film, Brad? Because it is so, like, it's so hard to watch. I never saw it. Oh, I've never seen it, it either. It, y'all need to watch it just so you can cringe. Like, you're going to have to step away. The monologues are terrible. 
So let's see here. But when he exposes the corrupt school principal, she calls in the FCC to shut Harry, hard Harry down. Oh, my God. An outrageous rebel with the cause. Slater gives a brilliant performance as the reluctant hero who inspires his classmates to find their own voice of rebellion and individuality. Let me pause you there. <laughs> brilliant? I know, right? Well, this is not in the words of any critic, but whoever wrote the back of this. A movie with a message, which I am very unclear on what that message is, just so y'all know. Pump of the Volume is a raw and witty celebration of, spree- of free speech that will make you laugh, make you cheer, and make you think. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Look at him. Look at him on the cover. So intense. Who's the uh, Who's the lady who's there? The young woman? I'm going to pass this to you. Right. You can probably see better than me. Um, I, it's it's. I remember it being terrible, and I probably haven't watched it in 15 years, and I can't imagine it's aged well. Is that Ellen I mean? Green or? Oh, that no, that's Samantha Mathis. That sounds that's right. Baby Samantha Mathis. That sounds right. Look at Christian Slater holding that microphone in a really suggestive way. I don't like it. When did this movie come out? Um, I guess is like 92. Hmm. Am I wrong? I mean, this is the most 90s VHS cover in the history of VHS covers. I, I have to describe the neon blue background. There, it's, it's like a floral arrangement, but instead of flowers, it's um, what you would find on the countertop of a Taco Bell circa 1995. Um, and nice and clean. This very, is 1990. Ah, okay. So... Very, very blue, very teal, very purple, uh, lots of classic 90s colors, so I appreciate the box art. I remember it being packaged to uh-huh. probably people my age at the time as being very cool and watching it and thinking this movie is incredibly, incredibly uncool. Hmm. So, uh, you know what it seems to me, too? Like, it feels a little like, hey, you know they made that film, The Legend of Billy Jean? And it was kind of good for its time and, you know, had a little t- tagline, fair is fair, which I, to this day, that's, you know, that's my tagline. That you're always saying I'm it. I'm always saying it. Always saying it. Um, and so, anyway, I think this was like, let's do a male version of that. And that's what happened is this pump up the volume here. Well, famously, as, as pre-established on this podcast, I've still never seen The Legend of Billie Jean either. Right, so we're, let's wrap this segment up. I can't hear any more of that. <laughs> what? You haven't seen it yet. Hush. Let's go. Let's wrap up. You got to get out of here and watch The Legend of Billy Jean. I got to get out of here and watch a shit ton of yes. stuff. So Hush. that's just no on our list. From you. No okay, all right. Well, shut up. Dang. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Oh, Corey. Well, I alluded to what I've been watching. Uh-huh. I have been watching some stuff. We both have. We've been watching movies for the for the festival, so we can't really talk about so that. So many right? movies. We can't really. I've seen funny pages though. Oh, I, yeah? guess I can't really say much about it, but yeah. I'll talk to you off mic about it. And then again, we'll revisit it. I'm curious to hear what you have A24 to say. Film. But no, I'm not going to talk about that. I alluded to what I'm going to talk about earlier, which uh-huh. is the Jennifer Lopez documentary called Halftime. That's that is true. on shit flicks. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, I'll tell you, I enjoyed it. It seems enjoyable, just as kind of like a peek behind the curtain of a very, let's say, manicured pop personality. A very manicured peek behind the curtain no doubt and well, these these documentaries that netflix and hbo and all these showtime all these these net, these streaming services crank out they do and this includes you know my girl taylor swift's sure they, they are big marketing pieces for the brand right so this is this is definitely there's no you're not going to see anything that's going to negatively reflect on jennifer lopez even though mm, my instinct other than is, her poor judgment in <laughs> like never mind i'm not gonna finish it. that no they skip it completely 
They skip any kind of dating history stuff if that's what you were getting at. That, that is what I was getting no, at. I, I, you, I assumed that would be like, you know, to, to borrow an image from a certain somebody's back tattoo, a phoenix rising oh, from the ashes. Boy. You know, J-Lo, who has shed herself of her past mistakes and who is now, you know, a confident, you know, woman entering a, a an exciting second act of her right. career. And, you know, now she and Ben... They they had their problems before, but they, those crazy kids got it figured out because of the the wisdom and maturity that comes with age. They don't touch any of that. Well, that's the only thing they say about her love life is what a you know what a microscope it's under in the press. And so <laughs> that's actually I actually. That's, but that's like me going up to a paparazzo and being like, "Hey, take a look at this," and then walking away and being like, "Why is my love life under a microscope in the press?" It's because you do everything in front of the press. I'm just saying. Okay. I appreciate that they left that out because really what the focus is on as you can as as the name suggests is of course this sort of part of her the second part of her life if you will even though uh, you know j-lo 2.0 which is really like j-lo 6.0 halftime as in the super bowl right oh that's right so it has a big focus on the halftime show and there's a huge huge focus so no surprise why i liked it so much on the film hustlers and how she didn't get an Oscar nomination. And how she didn't for it, get an Oscar nomination. And it talks a lot about her 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 career path from Selena, uh-huh. really from In Living Color through. But it is a bit. This is what I was surprised by because I didn't know this about J Lo, and and this is probably my fault um, for not paying close enough attention. But there are some feminist leanings here, and I appreciate mm. that. And that I think is the that is part of the message of this film is how difficult it was for her when she was coming up as somebody that had a uh, uh, non-traditional body type at the time, right? Right. The a 90s non- non-Caucasian was, body type. Right? 90s was all about the the cocaine chic, and she's, right. and she's she, kind of flown in, in the face of that her entire career. And so one of the reveals in the film is that she was literally told when she was a fly girl and in living color that they there were certain dance routines that they would not take on until she lost weight. Hmm. And then they, did a, they do a, a really provocative montage of people talking about her ass and you know the dressing up as her and this kind of thing which i thought was really well done right and it really traces the difficulty she's had and kind of rising above her this being fodder this sort of her body type and her this kind of thing and it it focuses somewhat on her daughter a bit uh-huh. and it also shows her i will say it shows her i was i was a little impressed with some of the stuff it shows her going into the bronx and going to a, a dance a, a dance group, like a dance company, and finding people right right out of that dance company to, to be at the Super Bowl and well, perform with her and don't don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. I she's know, I knew that was coming. Jenny from she the block. is just Jenny from the block. She is. No, you know, and of course, you she's drinking out of a bedazzled cup and all the stuff is there <laughs> and she looks flawless the vast majority of the time. So all the all the shit is there. Do not get me wrong. But I do appreciate her at least attempt to highlight some of these elements of her life, including the fact that in the in the proposal for what she was going to do at the Super Bowl, they've got the producer for the Super Bowl who's, you know, British older white dude. Um, shocker says when she's pitching stuff, she's like, I want to zoom out and I want there to be a big female symbol. And then I want the little girls to be in cages. This is, of course, during the Trump administration, right? So this is all stuff she's, and he goes, well, I think that, you know, having a female symbol would be, would be way too provocative. 
<laughs> there's stuff like that where she's like, wait, ex- what? So those kind of moments are really worth viewing this. Wow. And, yeah. So I, you know, it's clearly, she's clearly constructed, but I appreciate that the way that it's constructed is really, was done clearly to try to emphasize some of her sort of feminist leanings. And I, and I didn't think that that's where this was going to go. So I appreciated that. Well, I, I, mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, for a, I'll, have for to, a I'll have to check it out. Commercial for a brand. Sure. I enjoyed it. I learned a few things. This is pretty cool. You know, I, I we we have talked about Lopez a lot on this podcast because we're both really big fans of Hustlers. We're both really yeah. big fans of her in that movie. That was, I mean, for me, her best and most unexpected and exciting film performance. And, you know, if she can channel that energy into another project and continue along those lines as an actress – I do think the next phase of her career stands to be very interesting. Now, the problem is we haven't seen any evidence that that's where she's headed. I know. I agree. One of the things it does cover, and I will say, and here's where I can bring some grace, because there's a lot of bad stuff out there. I mean, May in Manhattan, all this is terrible. But she's she is good in Selena. Like, for that yeah. film, for that time, for that era, and she is really convincingly – embodies that particular person that was actually a real person right Mm -hmm. she's great in that and everything between that and hustlers you know gets a little sketchy but i'll i'll throw in out of sight i think she's excellent out of sight absolutely out of sight there you go so but she talked a lot about how she had had a lot of trouble getting cast yeah so i don't know that she's had the the pick of the litter if you know what i mean so So, i'm gonna throw something out at you so this is this is fantasy this is Right. You know, fantasy casting. Um, I'd love to see if they're not still on the Adam Sandler train, what Josh and Benny Safdie could do with Jennifer Lopez. I mean, I think that it would be incredible. I don't, there is a protective bubble around her. I do think she makes a lot of her own decisions to a degree, but there's clearly powers that be there. There are a lot of people that have their hands in that money jar. That that and, would not want to yeah. upset the but brand. I do think she's at a point in her career where she is where she is at least articulating that she is thinking very strategically about how she's going to take this last phase on. And it would be incredibly interesting for her to do that kind of work. Because yeah. I do think she's I think she's got the chops for it. She she does. I mean, Hustlers kind of proves that conclusively. Yeah. If anybody Agreed. doubted. Agreed. And now it is, I think, discouraging for her. I do think it discourages her when she doesn't get the Oscar nom for that, right? And she spends a lot of time talking herself off that ledge, so to speak, in yeah. the film. But ultimately it's clearly incredibly disappointing for her and her entire team. And, and she worked really hard. The internet for the, at large was yeah. very upset. Completely. And so I think when you don't, I, I think when you, and here's, I'm going to say something really journal alike, but you know who, do, who did win instead of her. The great Laura Dern. So watch out. So I don't really remember that performance much. It's an I remember it being a little over the top and mm. all this, but Laura Dern didn't need an Oscar. I think what JLo could have done with an Oscar and how that, that performance and that decision by somebody who is their own brand, who is a mega superstar, rewarding that kind of a role, I think could would have catapulted things in a very different direction. And I, I fuck you, Academy, for not doing that because you knew it was the right thing to do. But as people have said, and as I will acknowledge now, why would Hollywood give an award to an all-female cast, almost all female crew with a production that is so incredibly female they're just not that's not a safe thing to do at all anyway i'll shut up now and i will ask you what you're watching well i've been watching a bunch of stuff um i did get to uh the movie theaters 
uh, this past weekend to see oh, a couple cool. things. Speaking of bedazzled, one of Uh-oh. those things is Boz Lerman's Elvis. And um, oh, Brad, let me just sit back real quick. I'll move away from the mic right now. I'll just let you know. Okay, go for it. Well, I don't I'm know worried. why you're preemptively scooting away. I'm worried. Go. Uh, I liked it. Is that what you were afraid of me saying that I would like it? Because I did. I did. I did like it. I'm a. Ba- I'm a Baz head. You know, I'm a Baz head. I, I talk about how I like the Great Gatsby. We fought about that. Did you like that. it or did you love it? I liked it. It's got issues. Don't get me wrong. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> a movie about Elvis by directed by Boz Lerman has issues. Hmm. Um what it what it has is style in spades because of course that's 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 his thing. Baz is is the most over caffeinated director out there and when you give him the iconography of Elvis Presley to work with, he takes it and runs with it. In a lot of the directions that you would expect, but also a lot of directions that you might not expect. Um, I, you know, I, because I'm just a fan of his style as a stylistic exercise, as a Baztasia, if you will. Uh, I was Whoa. really kind of Where swept up in it. Where is Sam when we Can we text Sam or Slack Sam right now that Corey just used the term Baztasia? You know I'm, what? I'm, I'm on my phone right now. Go ahead. Um, you know, it it does fall into some of the typical biopic pitfalls. I will say this: Austin Butler, the young actor who plays Elvis from um, his uh, younger, just starting out uh, age to um, the end of his life, is really excellent. Not so good in this movie is Mr. Tom Hanks. <laughs> I have to. Oh, admit you're it. kidding me. Um, not. One of my guy's uh, better uh, performances, he's kind of stymied by this um, framing device where Colonel Tom Parker at the end of his life is kind of telling the story of Elvis and serving as this like uh, unreliable narrator who was like, people say that I was villainous, but uh, I didn't see it that didn't way. Didn't need the colonels didn't to have need, that voice. Didn't need no. that. What term did he just use? Bastastic? Was that it? Bastasia. But it, the movie's also Bastastic, if you want to throw that in there. Um, and then, you know, Hanks is doing a voice. He's under all of this, like, prosthetic makeup to make his nose different, to sort of bulk him up a little bit. He's essentially playing Watto from the Star Wars movies because he's like, ah, Oh, God. <laughs> Give me money, oh, God. Elvis. I, I'm going to manipulate you so I can get money, Elvis. And it's just not, you know. It, oh, no. It, it, the movie's too long, but when it is fully uh, cooking, and it does more often than you'd think, um, I, I was really swept up in it. Um, so, so you're going to argue for, if, if I go see this, and like, what are you thinking? I'm not. I'm not going to like it, right? I mean, you're not going to like it because it's about two and a half hours long. I'll tell you that much. Um, but um, no, I don't think you're going to like this movie. Are you kidding me? But I like this movie. So, yeah, if you take the time to go see it, but you know, buyer beware. <laughs> you know what you're getting into at this point. It is like The Great Gatsby, but more. It's the most Baz movie ever, probably. Um, but, you know, I like that. Oh, okay. I sent the message to Sam. Great. That's all, he that's all that know. matters at this point. Um, Sam, who has, I think, been kidnapped by pirates. I think that's why he's not here, but um, something like Maybe that. Maybe he's sitting and watching this Baztastic film. He might be having a, a Baztastic time. Um, <laughs> You're fired. I, well, it's been a long time coming. Um, <laughs> I also saw the new uh, horror film, The Black Phone, from Ooh, director like Scott Derrickson. I also liked this. Um, 
didn't love it. I've got some issues with yeah. with sort of the progression of the story uh, and the climax. But uh, Ethan Hawke, fun, creepy, um, scary. Uh, the movie, it's not really that scary. It mostly functions on the surface, like a, a Stranger Things-esque nostalgia play. It's set in 1978. A young boy lives in a small town with um, a sister who's showing some possible latent psychic powers and an abusive father. So if it sounds like a traditionally Stephen King setup, it's based on a short story written by an author named Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. So some, some familial legacy there. Um, But what, what's going on in this small town in summer 1978 is there is a child kidnapper and murderer who is scooping up boys and taking them to a murder dungeon. And wouldn't you know it, that's what happens to our protagonist who is locked in this scary room with uh, Ethan Hawke being his scary captor. Now there is a supernatural, there, there are some supernatural twists going on. Um, including the titular black phone that I don't want to talk too much about. But uh, overall, I mean, it's kind of the perfect horror movie to release in the summer because it is, frankly, as as much as a movie about child kidnapping can be, kind of a big, you know, accessible crowd pleaser because, you know, it's disturbing. It goes to some dark territory, but, you know, ultimately it's a story of, of resilience and that's kind of, telegraphed from the get-go and by Um, the way maverick's still out there going strong maverick is killing it are you kidding me who knew like raking in the cash our our man thomas um has his biggest hit in history i mean it's kind of wild it's so wild i have to admit i would not have predicted this no who would have like who who would have been like okay did you want? Did you want a Top Gun sequel? Were you at, were you itching for a Tom Top Gun sequel? I wasn't, but I have admitted that when I first saw this trailer a hundred years ago, when they you know it they dropped you. it pre COVID, that for me it kicked. But I'm just saying, just for me, right? That it kicked this little bit of nostalgia for me, and I did kind of think this is really cool. This is really cool that they're doing this. And well, then I went back and watched Top Gun, and I was bummed, as you know. We've argued about it. Well, apparently everybody in the this, world wanted a Top Gun sequel. I would not have guessed that, Brad. Would you have guessed that? No. Yeah. And and by that, I mean, like, people who don't go to the movies are going, ever to, see are going to see it. This is nuts. I, I, I mean, it's a phenomenon. Like, you know... Avengers Endgame had all that Marvel buy-in, right? right? So everybody in the world went to see that. That didn't surprise me. That's that not surprising. That didn't surprise me. The Top Gun sequel surprised me. I'm trying me. to think of the last big like cultural phenomenon that's not tied I mean, to the a spider, comic book property. I mean, the recent property. Spider-Man. Oh, that's not tied to it, yeah. Yeah. I don't like, know. Like uh, Black Panther was a big deal for reasons beyond the comic sure. bookness of it. But but that's, you know, that's its own thing. I mean, Avatar? Maybe the Maybe. last one? Maybe. The the last runaway box office sensation yeah. that everybody's like, who saw that I'm coming? really baffled, you know, and I mean, good. It's getting people to the movies. Yes. And, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships, theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. This is the past, this past weekend where we're recording, where Elvis and the Black Phone came out and you had Top Gun and the Jurassic World movie and the Buzz Lightyear movie still doing business, I think there were like four movies that grossed more than $20 million. In the past, since since things sort of reopened 
after COVID. And I don't mean like we're going to put Hocus Pocus on a screen and hope somebody comes. I mean like fully back to quote unquote normal. Studios have, and you know this well, really only been releasing one title a week. Yeah. It's been slow. So what we've had is like Doctor Strange comes out beginning of May and makes like, I don't know, $180 million opening weekend. Good for it. It makes 90-something percent of all of the business that any theater did in the country. Yeah. And, you know, numbers two through ten on the top ten list are pulling in like two million bucks. Yeah, That is not a healthy industry. Right. But now, and I do think Top Gun has contributed to this, it's astounding success that it's hanging on and still doing business hand over fist. Now that we have a lot more movies – that are actually making money in theaters at yeah, the same yeah, yeah. time. Um, that to me is a sign of a much healthier industry than we've been looking at. Or the that past people have predicted. And so what's interesting is am I correct to say Top Gun is not streaming? No. So let's make note of that. Top Gun is not Elvis, streaming. Not streaming. And am I right that like I saw something that was like one billion? I mean, it was something oh, it's, it's insane. It's past a billion uh, worldwide. Let's, can we just make note of that? This film that is not available on VOD. That is in theaters. That is still going strong. Has surpassed one billion. So maybe, just maybe, because I know all the distributors are listening right now. I know everybody. The head of Sony's listening. The the head of MGM's listening. Of course, of course. Start releasing films back into theaters and keep them off of VOD, where they drown and they die. Likewise, I mean, we we look at the sneaky sort of under the radar success of everything everywhere all right. at once. I mean another great example this that film just, played just kept, and played and kept, played. kept kept and I I am here to tell you that if we put it back on a screen right now which we're not going to do because we have other shit to do but if we put it back on a screen it would make still make money. And it's about to come out on on Blu-ray. And French Dispatch did really well too. Yeah. And Licorice Pizza did really well too. If you gave these films the life that they deserve, they they will do well. But, so, you know. You know. Um, you know. I just hope that the this sort of level of, of renewed success in theatrical exhibition is going to hopefully do something to shift studio mindsets away from that streaming first model and yeah. back toward a theatrical uh, first model. All we can model. do is hope. Do you think people – and I will back off this because this is a what we're watching but has quickly turned into a, a, a reflections, which is fine. I mean that happens. Yeah. But do you think people are seeing this multiple times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. I know personally several people who have seen it multiple times. I have only seen it the one time because, again, I, I got shit to do. But like right. – um, yeah, a lot of people seeing it multiple times. A lot of people who haven't seen movies multiple times in years seeing it multiple yeah. times. It is my it is my big regret of the year as not putting it on a screen at sidewalk. Well, now again, but who we, could have foreseen this? No, we couldn't have. And we talked about this. I'll just acknowledge that you know we're a great movie theater. We're a very intimate movie theater. Part of what benefits us from being a small movie theater is that you get great customer service. In addition to that, though, you get great sound. I think yes. our sound is is I don't know. I haven't heard film sound as good anywhere else other than our cinema. I'm not even kidding. But we don't have a huge. We don't have a four screen movie. We're not lying to you. You know, Top, we're not, Top Gun Maverick. Coming to see a big, huge screen. Yeah. It's it's a sizable screen. It's much bigger than what you have at home. But it is not going to be four stories tall like the one at the movie theater. If it's not terribly far from us. And Top Gun Maverick is designed for a screen like that. So 
you know, my question is, I don't know if people would have seen it with us anyway, but people might have seen it their third or fourth time with us. It's still, it's still, it's still a bit of regret. And, you know, it's still, I guess it's still a conversation. We could still put it on a damn screen. Maybe we do it. I, I, hey, I don't know, but this thing is still cranking right along. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting if we could do it not clean. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really interesting. Anyway, we're, we're off on a tangent now, so we'll, we'll shut up. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about the movie. If and when you get to see it, though, and I and I do think if you can, and that's a big if considering yeah, yeah. where we are in the screening process with the for the festival. I'm planning to go. I'm excited to see it. I'd also love to. I would. If, I would prioritize it over Elvis. I'll just say that. Well, I want to see Elvis so I can fight with you. But I, <laughs> I here's the thing: if you, I would be interested in what people have to say. Podcast at sidewalkfest.com. If you would come, would have come, or would still come to see Maverick at the Sidewalk Cinema. Whether you're in Birmingham or not, like I'm just curious if that if you would go see it at a small indie th- indie theater. Yeah, well, do you, do you prioritize an IMAX or similar large format experience for a movie like that, or would you see it in a hundred seat screen with excellent sound? Because you know we've stepped away from blockbusters, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's strategically we've stepped away from blockbusters because we're on a we're in a different phase of COVID. Uh, blockbusters were something we never planned to do and we did them a bit during covid because of necessity and now we've stepped back away because we're heading down a different path so to speak but we're also admittedly heading down a different path because the alamo draft house is going to be opening just a couple of blocks from us and we would like to focus more on our mission and less on you know just bringing things to a screen because they might sell a ton of tickets um we do need to sell tickets do not get me wrong but yes please buy tickets come strategy strategy and aligning ticket sales is, is complicated. So we've stepped away from blockbusters, right? But I am, we are also nimble and we also can change, we've changed strategy and we can, we can do that. So I'm curious to hear what people think. So podcast at sidewalkfest.com about what you think about watching blockbusters at indie cinemas, keeping in mind that we don't have the 14 screens that a lot of these cinemas have. We have two screens. So it would be taking the place of, Something like a, uh, what were we playing? Like a... Like a Neptune Frost or, or a Crimes of the Future. Sure, or um, we'll actually go even further back than that. What was the what was some of the things we had before that? Was, um, uh, back in... Men. May, yeah, Men and Pleasure. And, so let us um, know. Other weird shit like what that. What you think? Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. Oh, I'm not done. Uh-oh. I'm not done. Uh-oh. We are your own personal cinematic Bruce Rosenblums. Or Rosenblum. Do you know what it is? Uh-uh. Rosenblums and Charlie Sheen. Oh, I'm man. not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. What did, what did these two Rosenblum. do to each other? Well, Rosenblum is the WBTV group president. And so, as you know, Charlie Sheen was in that terrible sitcom, what, Two and a Half Men or Two and a Half Men. And so when it got canceled, he came out swinging against this Bruce guy. Uh And he said things like, um, you're a little tiny man. It's Mm. all over for you, little tiny man. And he said, grab your ankles and accept your fate. Wow. Which is... That's his boss, dude. Like, he said that to his... He said to his boss, grab your ankles and accept your fate. So anyway, um, I guess I'll be Charlie Sheen. All right. Sure. Thank you for listening to Side Talks Podcast. I promise I'm almost done with Charlie Sheen. He's going to appear again because it's just too good. There's too many enemies. There's too many frenemies and enemies, and it gets too crazy. But I promise to put a pause on it for a minute because I think we're sheened out. 
I, if you say so. I mean, I all, that, all that all that tiger blood can make a person <laughs> really aggressive. So I'll put a pause on. I promise. Uh, thanks to Revelator Coffee. Thanks to we already thank Boutwell, but I'll thank them again. Yeah, and thanks, thanks, Brad. To you for listening. Uh, sidewalkfest.com at Sidewalk Film on social media like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow us there and visit that website to see what we're doing at the cinema, whether we're showing Maverick or not. All right. Hey, you, we're, we're going to be showing a lot of Who cool knows? stuff, Who though, knows? Look, in I'm July. I'm going to close my glasses. This is wow. so dramatic. That's a, that'd be a great ending, though. You ready? Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.